2017 was a time where our perception of horror and what could be considered as such changed. Jordan Peele showed us a different, blacker side to horror. But following suit, horror has only seemed to exploit black trauma as a way of achieving the success that Get Out made. This episode, I'm looking at how black horror has evolved and hasn't, and why the use of black trauma in horror specifically is counterproductive. Hello to all my lovely cinephiles and welcome back to another episode of the Unbound Cinefem. My name is Avery, your host, and I'm coming to you this week with another change of podcast dynamic, you could call it. Um, I was kind of inspired to do a different type of episode, um, follow-on theme with last week where I talked about Stranger Things. If you haven't listened to it, set aside about an hour and a half and listen to it. <laughs> um, and so this week, uh, I watched Jordan Peele's Nope, great movie, by the way. But I was listening to all of the different types of reviews that it was getting from both people I know personally and just people over the internet. And it really started to make me think, um, for, for those that didn't like it, um, you know, and said different things about it and how they liked Get Out from Jordan Peele and they liked Candyman from Jordan Peele and they liked Us from Jordan Peele. And it really made me wonder because if you've seen Nope, then you know that it's there's there's a stark difference in terms of subject matter and tone compared to Jordan Peele's previous three films that everyone loves and holds close to their heart. And my main question in terms of you know comparing Nope to all of the other films was is it because it doesn't tackle issues of race and um, like socioeconomic status is that potentially why and it further led me to wonder like why do you only like when Jordan Peele does films about racism and and black trauma and you know and not to say that doing films about black trauma is bad um, if you saw the post that I did this week, you would see, you would have seen the, the quote that I put where it talks about how people either center black trauma in films um, to elicit empathy and an emotional response or strictly just the commodification of it. And I think that's what puts Jordan Peele apart from other directors who will do that. And that's not exclusive to white directors, white, black you know, non-white, non-black directors can strictly use the trauma for commodification. And so that is why I decided to do this episode, because I really wanted to talk about it. And I took a philosophy, it was was a philosophy in film class, but the part that really stuck with me was the... (laughs) Um, like the segment on horror that we did because you all know I love horror movies and we you know we didn't learn particularly about like black horror or anything like that but I applied everything that I learned to black trauma in horror movies um, in you know a few pieces of my work that I did in that class so I thought it would be nice to revisit it 
talk about Nope um, and talk about the other three films. Um, Get Out by Jordan Peele, Antebellum by Gerard Bush, and Master by Miriama Diallo. I hope that's how you pronounce it. Um, these are all pretty recent films, except for Get Out. Um, Get Out was done in 2017, which it does not feel that long ago. But regardless, um, these are all fairly new films-ish. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and talk about them, compare them. And yeah, so I hope you all get your little water break now, your little potty break, because you're in for a ride. So buckle up. So I first want to start by talking about Nope, um, the movie, because if you haven't already seen it, I'm not going to spoil it. This is not the movie I'm going to spoil. Of course, I will be spoiling the others. So if you haven't watched Get Out or Master, which is on Amazon Prime or Antebellum, which is on Hulu, I believe, um, you you might want to wait to listen to this. But of course, by all means, I'm not going to stop you. Um, but Nope is a sci-fi horror movie. And I think the only aspect of race that comes up is talking about the first black jockey um, and the first quote-unquote black actor caught on film as well. Not only that, but I think they also mentioned being the only black um, horse ranch in like the certain part of California that they're located in. But other than that, that is the only thing that references race or, you know, like historically black figures or anything like that. So when I was talking to people who had seen Nope before me, I was hearing, yeah, I just it, I just didn't like it as much as I liked Get Out. I just didn't, I just feel like it was missing a certain piece. I just, whatever, whatever. And I think that... Jordan Peele 100% like is the blueprint for modern day black horror movies. Before Jordan Peele, we were getting horror movies with black side characters who typically died first in slasher films. And for whatever reason, we stopped centering black actors in horror movies altogether. You know, we had the first black Dracula, which I'm pretty sure his name was Blackula. Come on now. In 1970s, he played he he was played by William Marshall. He was the first black vampire to appear on screen. Scream? Screen. And then you have Night of the Living Dead, which was 1968. Dwayne Jones was the lead actor in that movie, which was really groundbreaking because not only was he a heroic character, but he was a positive portrayal of a black man in a role that did not center around his race. And I'm all for social commentary, but do we always have to center black trauma when it comes to black lead characters in horror movies? In movies in general, but right now we're just talking about horror movies. In terms of of what we see today with horror movies and, you know, black horror movies particularly, a lot of them hit on the black experience. You have Bad Hair on Hulu, um, which that concept is the demonic kind of evil background of weave and how it kind of seeps into your brain as a black woman. You'd have to watch it. <laughs> you would have to watch it to understand what I'm saying. 
and and there's these different ways in which you can use these experiences these the, and make them evil where black people watching watching it they don't feel they don't feel like they're reliving some sort of trauma i think jordan peele when he debuted with get out it was a lot more clean and crisp in the way that the symbolism and the underlying messages and tones were there, but they weren't in your face. You know what I'm saying? I think because that was the first film that we ever kind of got where they were commenting on like racism, microaggressions, um, white people using using black people and commodifying black people. Um, that was the first film and was like, wow, this is really, really good. But then it's almost as if Hollywood saw how much they we liked it. And all of a sudden, it just became this big old thing, this big old balloon and or funnel, should I say. And so now we have these very diluted like efforts of trying to reproduce that type of film and that type of story. That was a lot. That was, oh my gosh, it was so hard to get out. Ah, so before I get into talking about um, Master and Antebellum, I want to run you through a little bit of just some overarching knowledge to take in um, when talking about this, right? Because first of all, I, I want y'all to be educated. I want you all to know what I know about horror. And like, first of all, who knew there was there was some sort of philosophy out there for strictly horror movies? Not me. Not until I took this class. But it changed my life. Changed the trajectory of my life. I will never be the same person again. I will never watch a horror movie the same way. So let's get into it. The philosopher that we studied in my class mostly, we read like his book particularly, his name was Noel Carroll. Um, and so he wrote The Philosophy of Horror, which is a different book than the book that we read. But this book is particularly on the philosophy of horror. And it analyzes the way that horror relies on our quote unquote problematic interest in fearful violence. So a lot of people are really questionable as to why, like, how sadistic of a person do you have to be to enjoy watching horror movies? But really, it's not sadistic at all because we're not watching it. I mean, some people out there watch it for the gore and the blood and the everything like that. Um, but it really just boils down to our curiosity in the plot itself And so as a result, we put up with the scary stuff and the monsters and the blood and the gore for something that Noel Carroll calls art horror. Now, the term art horror in this case of the like the monster scary movies refers to this kind of distanced fright response because we know that the monster and the evil that we see on screen can't really get us. And so this theory um, or you know philosophical idea that uh, Carol has come up with is more in terms of those those monster flicks those um, like serial killer um, think 
Dracula, think, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Was Stephen King's Christine, think A Haunted House, all of those type of things, King Kong, Godzilla, those are all things that, like, yes, we can watch on screen, but we know that our chances of running into these creatures and these, like, entities are, there's, like, maybe one in a hundred chances. Very, very slim. But the question is, how does that translate to horror movies that involve slavery and racism and, like, Jim Crow era? And so that brings me to my next philosopher, which, ooh, love her. Her name is Cynthia Freeland. Um, and she came up with kind of like this rebuttal to Noel Carroll's art horror. And she says that art dread is a more applicable term. And to me, I feel like it's more applicable to newer horror movies because we don't have a lot of like monster movies, right? Anymore. Cynthia Freeland believed that art dread was a little bit more of an applicable term um, because not all movies surround like monsters or um, like creatures from the dead and things like that, especially once we started to kind of move away from early days of film and come like 70s to 90s where slasher films really started to get popular. So it's a little bit more inclusive to current films, in my opinion, um, that don't have the big, ghoulish, unrealistic monsters. And it involves more of a sense of danger with no exact idea of what, especially like supernatural movies. Because the thing is, is that we know like soul possessions, right? Those have happened in real life. Maybe, Maybe I don't know anybody that it's happened to, but... I know that there are true accounts of soul possessions. I know that there are true accounts of serial killers. Hello? So Art Dread really applies to those movies that you you have this anxiety of, especially like zombie apocalypse, um, end of the world movies, these these kind of impending doom type of situations where like it could very well happen. You just never know when. And so that's where your emotional response to that type of horror movie or suspense or thriller movie really comes into play. These types of f- works of fiction help us to imagine these plausible encounters with evil and they kind of make us think of how we would emotionally interact with these phenomenon phenomena phenom phenomenon whatever (laughs) that's why for me it's really hard to see a movie like antebellum or a movie like master especially master that movie makes me just oh we'll get into it because i can't even begin right now That's why I genuinely find some movies that use the aspect of racism or um, prejudice or slavery or Jim Crow to like as their monster in horror. Because, yes, it's dreadful. 
yes, it's it's like anxiety inducing, but there's nothing to imagine there. And and that's why like when you think of a movie theater audience, the black audience members are going to be separated from the non-black audience members because what is there to imagine about microaggressions in an all-white town? Nothing, because you get them every day. That's the black experience. Moving forward from that point, in monster flicks, especially in the early days of film, they were used to create social commentary on events or situations that cause negative emotion. So think Godzilla. Um, that monster was a metaphor for Hiroshima when the U.S. dropped bombs. And so through that film, the anxiety and the nerves and the anguish that were experienced from that situation were all put into this film where audiences could watch and it in a way it kind of released those nerves almost as weird as it might sound um but even king kong king kong is a metaphor for the black man experience in the 1900s when they first arrived in america right which is crazy because Mm, hello like borderline racist like the entire movie is racist first of all let's talk about it the entire movie of king kong is racist because you're telling me that you take an animal that's supposed to be a black man out of his natural habitat you export him back to your home country and show him off for everybody like he's a spectacle, which mm, goes back to talking about nope. Show him off like he's a spectacle. And then you get upset because you're afraid that he's going to take your white woman away from you. That your white woman's going to fall in love with him and that he's going to take, take her away from you. Hmm. I, I can't believe I never saw it before. <laughs> but that was... Hollywood's way of depicting their nerves and emotions during the time during that time (sighs) like I I can't even begin to like sympathize with that or even like not support it but I like I can't even begin to argue that that's just film history in itself that I'm just explaining But the true question is, how does this apply to a horror movie centered around white people perpetuating racism and and hate, pretty much? Because if you were to look on, I mean, even if you look on TikTok or Twitter now, you can find a video posted last week of a non-black person calling a black person in front of them the hard R because, because what? They jumped in front of them in line at Kroger? Like... (laughs) Dang, Tank, you just really had to ruin that moment, didn't you? Sorry, y'all. He <sighs> had the shivers. So, that is where my thoughts are. And that's where my thoughts are leading into this discussion. Because when you're watching a black horror movie centering racism or slavery or Jim Crow, the way that the audience identifies and empathizes with the character on screen is going to be different. I just mentioned this, right? Even as we empathize, it's a very subjective response because feeling what the character may feel 
is only a projection of how we think we would feel in the case that we were in their shoes. But how are we going to imagine how we would feel being in their shoes when we are in their shoes? Is it making sense to you all? Like, I... Because I, when I first started taking philosophy, I really struggled because the way that philosophy is, like, it literally breaks everything apart. It's, if you've ever watched that show, like, How's It Made? That's philosophy because it literally breaks everything down to, like, granule little specks for you to understand. And you would think that'd make everything easier, but it made it so much more difficult. Never do I want to underestimate y'all's ability to grasp a concept because I know that we are all on the same wavelength. So I, if I'm not making sense, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> Moving forward, it really, that being said, watching a horror movie as a black audience member um, and, and that movie centering black trauma, there is no imagining how I would feel. There's no imagining how the character would feel. There's no putting myself in their shoes. But instead, you're really just reliving those emotions. There's, it's not imagining, it's knowing. And so is there really any true difference between, say, being exposed to 9-11 videos and deep web videos of gruesome deaths and reenactments of black cruelty. Am I spitting yet? Because I got Let me wipe my mouth. <laughs> so, all of that being said, now I'm going to be talking about these movies. I'm not going to start with Master because that one really just grinds my gears. I'll talk about Antebellum first. So with Antebellum, it centers an author named Veronica Henley... Um, who's kidnapped in 2019 and she's forced to work on a slave plantation and so when I first saw the trailer I thought that she somehow went back in time but it's not that it's just like a like a role-playing think of like LARPing it's like LARPing but civil war and slavery first of all tell me how you sit around in your southern georgia home thinking hmm i want to role play as a civil it's a civil war soldier and mm, work around on a plantation how because i genuinely like and the crazy thing about it is there is no doubt in my mind there are people out there like that people who wave the confederate flags and who proudly like own the like the confederacy heritage and deny the true history behind it but i digress so with this movie the the true horror in the movie is being kidnapped and being uprooted from your like lavish per se lavish life to suddenly being a slave and don't get me wrong, that's horrifying. But at the same time, I can read any history book. Well, maybe not any history book, because I know these, these history books are a little coded. But 
I can read any article or any historical telling of slavery, and I can get that same emotion from reading than watching this movie. So is it really horror? Is it really? Or, and you know what? Let me look up. So, and this is the problem. Gerard Bush is a black director, but he collaborated on this with a man named Christopher Renz, who's a white man. And so I really do wonder how that conversation went. Like, did Mr. Christopher go to Mr. Gerard and say, hey, I got this great idea. I got this stellar concept for a movie that can give a bunch of black actors a job. Oh, what is it? The slaves. They, they all have to portray slaves. How do you as a black man say, oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And so it really makes me wonder, like, watching these movies, because you have, like, non-horror movies that still center black trauma, 12 Years Slave, um, The Blind Side, um, I mean, literally, Django, the list goes on, truly. And it, I just really wonder, like, what kind of audience is this movie truly made for? Because I know people watch a movie like 12 Years a Slave or... Uh, I'm trying to think of a movie that's not Django Unchained because people are not watching Django to be educated. But, like, watching a movie like 12 Years a Slave, people watch it for the historical value of s- Civil War and slavery to see what was it like because they're curious and and that can be both black people and non-black people but a movie like antebellum especially like after 2019 who no not even why are you making it who are you making it for who do you expect to eat this movie up but maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little too harsh. Maybe I'm being a little too biased. Overall, though, I did like Antebellum. I liked, um, there were several aspects that I liked about the movie. I Janelle Monet is a great actress, and she really put her foot in that role. But it's just so much violence against black people in one movie you know and like on top of that you already have all these different movies on police 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 brutality um and racism that aren't horror and so it's just like how much of this media can we consume it's like i said how all of us in like gen z and millennials um we were exposed to 9-11 videos at such a young age and we were forced to watch them every 9-11 in public school to the point where we're just so numb to that. And is it any different than watching a fictional depiction of an enslaved black man getting hung or um, an enslaved black woman getting you know, like, I, I'm not going to outright say it, but you know what I'm talking about. That's all I have to say on Antebellum. 
Um, the the premise is is not complicated. It's there's actually a movie similar to it. It's called Alice, um, and it stars Kiki Palmer, and it was released actually this year, and it's very good. And it's kind of like a promising young woman, if you've ever seen Promising Young Woman, but um, make it black and make it black. <laughs> um, Kiki Palmer did so good in it, and it's literally just about Alice, who, well, I'm I'm not gonna, how do I say this without spoiling it? I mean, honestly, Alice is a plantation slave and she ends up escaping and she realizes that it's 1970 something it's it's not civil war era like that time has passed and she runs away and all of a sudden it's 1970 like 3 74 and common is in it and common ends up like finding her on the road and like saving her and helping her and there's a whole like revenge plot going on and it's really good I must say this I love a good 70s movie. I love Kiki Palmer. So, yeah, you should definitely check it out. And so that premise almost is what Antebellum should have been. <laughs> because of course it's I mean it's it's a different genre as well. Like Alice isn't a horror movie, but you could definitely make Antebellum horror and still have a revenge plot. Hello. I just feel like we don't need any more depictions of black people being tortured under the premise of racism and hatred. Like, if they're going to be tortured, throw them in a slasher movie with Michael Myers. And first of all, also, let's talk about it, because the only Michael Myers movie with a large black cast was terrible. It was not, it, it was not a good installation to the franchise. But that's but that's beyond that's beyond what we're talking about here. Moving on to Master by Mariama Diallo. This was also released in 2022. And so the premise behind Master is that you have two black women. One is a freshman at this college um, called Ancaster, and then the other one is a new, like, I, I think her particular title is housemaster it's a very prestigious school think like harvard or yale or something like that where they have those big fancy names and like actual paintings of their faculty and stuff something i never got at my established university but jasmine is the freshman starting at ancaster and Gail is the housemaster starting at Ancaster. The movie starts with these parallels. Um, they, they, it sets them up right away. And it also sets up this like eerie tone. Um, but the way that the movie, the direction that the movie takes, like it's almost, okay. <laughs> the tone is almost set like it's a sort of paranormal, supernatural entity. And it's definitely art dread. Like, it's not horror, like, you know, clenching my teeth, there's a monster. It's just, like, there's this unwavering, overwhelming, like, anxiety looming over you. But you literally have no idea why. <sighs> they weave in this urban legend that goes around on Ancaster's K-12 
campus about a witch and the witch comes and she steals girls out of a, out of the particular room that Jasmine is staying in and they end up dead. But simultaneously, all of this racist stuff is happening to particularly Jasmine, but Gail being in a more professional atmosphere, she experiences microaggressions more than anything whereas jasmine experiences like hardcore like one day she opens her door and there's a noose hanging off the door and somebody put leave just like hey whoa whoa but she also experiences microaggressions too which microaggressions are racism we know that with this movie and the reason why it makes me as upset as it does is because they threw in the whole witch like urban legend just just for the horror aspect because there was nothing else to cling on to in terms of racism or or trauma whereas get out that like dread and anxiety and horror came from not only the cinematography and the actual, you know, directing of the movie, but it was very eerie that white people were literally kidnapping black people and performing surgeries on them. And it was like, it was a cultish too. You know what I'm saying? Like, but there, there were multiple aspects that made it very, very uncomfortable, whether you were a black person or white person. The entire movie was not clinging on to the fact that these white people were racist. There were, you know, the creepy images, the creepy messaging, the, you know, I mean, the fact that black people were being kidnapped to be stripped of their brains because these white people literally thought by stealing your brains, I can be like you, which is just crazy in itself, right? And so that's why in the beginning of this episode, I said that Jordan Peele found a more like found a very tasteful way to address racism and black stereotypes and, you know, all all topics surrounding that without making the entire movie based off of the fact that these white people are racist and violent and they want to kill black people. no. On the other side of the spectrum, you have Master that the entire movie really just clung on to the racism aspect. And don't get me wrong, like I I I thought it was smart to depict those type of microaggressions and the those conversations because it's very important for people, black people and non-black people alike to understand what those conversations look like so that when you're in those situations, you can pinpoint them and realize, okay, I'm experiencing this. I need to put a stop to it, no matter what side of the conversation you're on. But is that the right movie to really put that in? And another thing is that like the, the, the title of the movie is called Master, right? I just feel like... Maybe the metaphors and the symbolism got lost with me, maybe, to where, especially with Gail, like with Gail's story, she was experiencing microaggressions, and there was a really important conversation between her and Jasmine, where 
you know, she was kind of telling Jasmine, like, I, this isn't about the witch that everyone's talking about. This isn't about any urban legend. This is about blackness. This is about who we are. And she was like, I see you for who you are. I've, I've been in your same shoes. It literally just never stops. And you have to learn to endure it, right? You have to learn how to, you can't, if you leave the circumstance that you're in where these people are trying to beat you down and kick you out with their words like you have to be stronger than them that's a very important conversation for the entire movie but at the same time there's the the overall threat in this movie is this witch is this dead like evil witch who's coming back to kill jasmine and and maybe the witch is supposed to stand for something else maybe the witch is supposed to be like Jasmine trying to outrun her some some part of her black identity or something I don't know but it missed me and I I've never caught back up with it nope nope it just ran right past me yeah I just feel like whatever Miriama was trying to do with this movie it just didn't quite get there um now one aspect that I really did like about that movie was that Gail realizes that she was brought to Ancaster simply just to clean up their problems particularly with diversity and so I think looking at it from a standpoint of like this movie is addressing black professionals and black students on a college campus and particularly like a like a overwhelmingly white space um when you're one of maybe three black people in total on that campus then you know yes definitely the anxiety the dread it's there but at the same time <laughs> it's just like there were so many things so many messages and so many like feelings and ideas that were trying to be conveyed and it really just felt like the racism and the microaggressions and the black identity and experience were the original idea and the original plot but there was no other horror to grasp onto it so then the witch was just thrown in you know and that's that's why I don't think like a true horror movie is is not going to use that type of stuff in a movie. Like it's not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, this is a thing that's scary in real life. And this is a thing that everyone experiences. So when they go to the movie theater to escape reality and to enter another type of world and another type of universe, I am going to put the exact same thing that they experience in the exact same situations that they face that scare them and make them anxious. I'm going to put it all in their face. No. Maybe it's because I'm not a director. Maybe it's because I'm not in Hollywood and I, I wouldn't know. But I feel like I know. All in all... <laughs> I I mean, there's there's other movies I can apply to this. I really just chose Antebellum and Master um, in terms of, like, horror movies that use black trauma 
in a like in a commodifying way um because those are the most recent that I've seen particularly and that you could say are the most like problematic I guess um and of, of course this is simply just my opinion this is just my perception of these movies you can definitely watch these movies and think something else than what I think and that's 100% okay but I just don't like entertainment that exploits other people's experiences and identities simply just for money or for a tear or two, you know? Especially when it's something so prevalent in our society that is a true issue and nothing else is being done about it besides, okay, let's, let's throw this in the movie theater and see how people eat it up. Mm-mm, no, we ate up Get Out because it was one of a kind, because it was it was tastefully done. We ate up Us because it was once again tastefully done and one of a kind. Now I will say I did not I did I didn't eat up Candyman the way I ate up the others because of the police brutality ending, uh, which I, if if I didn't i'm sorry if you haven't seen that i'm sorry but it does take a bit of a social justice turn at the end which the original Candyman doesn't necessarily um and it definitely felt like there was some sort of agenda there and it was like look at this and see this and know that it's happening and it's like i know it's happening i see it every day like please um so i didn't really cling on to Candyman. But with Nope, it was so refreshing to see a horror movie centered around black people and depicting their experiences as something other than just their identity, something other than just their, the way that their blackness is perceived by the rest of the world. You know what I'm saying? And I, I really liked it so much more than just the subject matter of of you know aliens i liked i liked a lot of things about it and i really do want to do a full review on it because there's so much to talk about as there always is with a jordan pill movie um and that will be coming out later i just want to give you all a chance to watch it before i talk about it um but yeah that's really y'all that's really all i have to say on the matter on every matter that i've discussed here I know there were a lot of of like maybe unfinished thoughts or like undeveloped thoughts and I completely you know what I was just very emotional. This was a very emotional episode for me because this is something I truly like care about and even when I was taking the philosophy and film class I that's one of my favorite to this day like I'll tell anybody that was one of my favorite classes that I ever took. Because not only do I care about movies and I, you know, like I love film so much, but I love analyzing them and the hidden meaning behind them. That's why I say I love intentional filmmaking as much as I do, because you have the opportunity to make a film. You have the opportunity to make a film and like almost like a scavenger hunt, put things in there that tie into the themes and the allegory and the metaphors and the symbolism and it's such a beautiful process and to be able to pick it apart 
especially as thorough as like philosophy does um is such a fun experience yeah i hope you all enjoyed this episode i know it's definitely different from my typical film reviews but it technically if we're if we're really thinking about it you got four film reviews five maybe film reviews in one so i don't want to hear no complaining all right um yeah so I, I hope this definitely gave you some sort of different outlook when it comes to black horror movies, um, black trauma in cinema, and uh, the way that you watch Nope. Because if you haven't seen Nope, um, you definitely should. And I hope that you don't see it as, I hope that you don't go into the movie theater expecting just another Jordan Peele movie. As I said in my like very, very short capsule review on Instagram, like I feel like this movie really proved that like he can do so much more than just racial and socionomic commentary um, within his films. Yes, he's a black mm, yes, he's a black director, a black uh, film writer, but like he's he's not limited to that identity. And I, it's not fair for us to put that type of um, label or typecasting onto him. Um, I think we should definitely give him the room to explore different types of subgenres in horror. And if he ever wants to do any other type of film outside of the horror genre, 100%. I feel like he's proven that no matter what he does, like he's going to put his whole policy in it. And that's all I got to say on the matter. <laughs> all right, y'all. Well, you know where to find me. Um, Instagram at the Unbound Cinefem Pod. Twitter at the Unbound Cinefem. And Letterboxd at Avery C-O-F. Uh, thank you for tuning in this week. And I hope to see you next.